Hi, Nashville. I am Marcia Masula, your editor and host here at 12th and Broad. And surprise, we're here in the Tennessee and where we're based out of. <laughs> Uh, on this dreary Nashville day. Um, but we have some really interesting things to talk about. As many of you know, it is the third week of the Millennial Money Experiment. And so we like to get together uh, yeah. every Wednesday to have discussions around interesting things for interesting people. If this is your first time watching or listening, this is the 12th Hour Podcast. And you can listen or view our previous episodes by going to iTunes if you're an iPhone fanatic like I think all of Me. us. <laughs> or go to Stitcher if you are an Android user. And so, as mentioned, Millennial Money Experiment, it's a very topical matter. We've teamed up with our partners, Regions, uh, to have a discussion, a real discussion, about money. And even though we're tagging it as a millennial topic, I think a lot of our um, content really applies to pretty much everyone living in Nashville. So I have some wonderful guests with me today. I have Gabriella Lira. Hello. And you are an on and off again 12th and Broad contributor. We can't yes. seem to like let you go ever because you have so the much to say. The market's crazy. <laughs> the market's crazy. And you are with Remax Masters. Yes. And so you know, like on the ground level, what is going on with real estate in Nashville. I live it and breathe it every day. Every second of the day. Yeah. Plus I'm a data geek also. So <laughs> that helps. And David Plazas is here. I don't know how I got him to come in here. I know. <laughs> and you are a man with many titles. You're an engagement editor. You lead up some of the best opinion op-ed columns that I've ever seen. I'm gushing. <laughs> um, and most importantly, the reason that I was super excited to have you on here is you just started a new initiative, a new project here at the Tennessean, um, which is about the cost of growth and change in Nashville. Yes, I'm excited to be here, Marsha. Thank you so much. Yeah, and so we have a lot to say, and this is going to be an ongoing project throughout the year, right? For the, the entire year, once a month, the last Sunday of every month, we'll have a new segment of it. We'll be exploring different aspects of the affordable housing situation here in Nashville. Speaking of affordable housing, let's get right to it, shall we? And so a post came out yesterday, and it was verified that it was a record-breaking month for um, housing sales, real estate sales yes. in Nashville in January. What do you know about that, Gabby? So the Greater Nashville Realtors, which just rebranded and changed its name, so I hope I'm getting that right, <laughs> they put out market stats every month and let us know how we're doing compared to how we were doing the year, the previous year for the same month, and we just had record-breaking sales. Lower days on market, less inventory. Yeah. And I'm sure, again, I'm not a realtor, but I do know that the cost of those houses probably have a lot to do with record-breaking sales as well. You know, it, I don't know if it's quantity or if it's just the sheer um, cost of the house. So I'd be clear, you know, curious to see what, what happens there and what neighborhoods are selling as well. So, yeah. David, your piece, which I've been obsessed with, it's a rabbit hole, I'm telling you. If you click on the link below, you can actually have access to it directly. I love the videos, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> we love the videos. Um, your piece talks a lot about neighborhoods and people being priced out of neighborhoods. Sure, and this is not something new to Nashville. In fact, since Metro was created in 1962, we've always been about growth and change. Uh, there's a famous picture of Mayor Beverly Briley, the first mayor of Metro, with a, with a uh, banner behind him saying, Metro, go and grow. And this is what we found. And the growth patterns have changed over time. You know, for In the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of investment in the suburban areas, uh, in investment in places like Antioch. And today, it's investments in the urban areas now. Oh, yeah. So areas like uh, Germantown and East Nashville and uh, 12 South 
and even some outlying areas that are that have proximity to downtown, like the nations. Uh, there was just a report that came out this week about property values, what has grown, and this is going to be a factor as well yes. in terms of buying because we're going to some of those growth areas are going to see um, a tax increase from what it was in the past, simply because of uh, the aspects of growth and change and, and greater values as well. Which, Absolutely. Which, the positive thing, of course, is equity. The negative thing is people who can't afford to live there anymore will have to find somewhere else to live. Yeah. And yeah. where do they go? Where do they go? Where do they go? And so um, if you've been following the millennial money experiment, I've had to say that for three weeks, guys, um, you know, we did an independent survey back in December and about 100 millennials uh, actually completed the survey. And I thought there were some really interesting tidbits in there that go into the topic of housing and real estate. And so um, a thing that stood out was about 74% are reporting that they spend around 20% of their income, which is actually, I think, quite healthy. That's a healthy amount to be spending uh, of your income while around 24% are claiming 50% of their income is going to housing, and 2.2% are spending more than that. Rents are so high these days in Nashville. I keep thinking about that apartment building on DeMumbrian that was auctioning off to the highest bidder for rental the top high desirable floor units. And it was like, whoever gives us the most money for rent per month will be the person to live here. An auction went on. Yes. Woo. This notion of affordability is interesting because when people think of affordable housing, in my reporting, they often think of public housing, but that's not the case. We're thinking about what you can afford. And according to the federal government, the percentage is essentially, if you're spending more than 30% of your income on housing, uh, then it's not affordable to you. Uh, when you start uh, talking about 50%, 70%, that's really dangerous house poor area at, yeah. at that moment. Thanks for clarifying that. I think you make a great point because when you do, there is a stigma. When you hear affordable housing, I feel like a lot of people kind of brush over that and think that doesn't apply to me. But affordable housing applies to everyone in some shape or form. Um, and again, it goes kind of goes into the topic, again, from our independent survey that um, millennials are saying they're actually saving about 67%, a little bit over that, are saving for a vacation. Vacation, which is a high priority. <laughs> I don't blame them. I wish I was on vacation right Me now. Me too. Um, 25% are saving for a car. 50, almost 58% are saving for a home and about 28% are saving for a family. I do think it's interesting that their priorities are lying in a vacation over a home. Lifestyle and experience Lifestyle for and millennials. Experience. But the data does tell us that millennials are buying homes later than in the past. And also when they are buying, a lot of times it's a couple buying together. So they're skipping that starter home level. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see how federal rules change in the Trump administration. Two yes. things in particular are, are of mind to me. The Federal Housing Administration loans, for example, which allow you to put 3% down yes. as opposed to putting, in, for example, 20% mm -hmm. down. And one of the first uh, orders of business that President Trump did was essentially to undo a rule that gave a discount, essentially, to people who were benefiting from FHA loans. The second point that I think is, is something we have to look out for is the mortgage interest deduction uh, that you can take. Uh, at this moment, it gives a tremendous benefit to homeowners Absolutely. if that goes away for whatever reason, that could really hurt the housing and real estate industry and hurt our communities as well. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of my clients have taken advantage of that 3.5% FHA loan. Yeah. I mean, well, especially because it's been said, you know, millennials are earning 20% less than boomers at the same stage in life. And so if you have less money that's disposable to you, you have to be obviously very curated and careful on what you're buying, hopefully. Um, and you're not going to be able to ante up as much. So that 20% 
10% can be completely out of reach for most people. Um, the other thing I've noticed too, I know it's an ongoing debate um, and issue um, in Nashville especially, is I feel like a lot of people are purchasing homes. I've had conversations with people that are in my peers and a little bit above that um, are purchasing homes to be used for business. And what I mean by that is like the Airbnb yes. um, and, and planning on you know either buying as is that way or rehabbing them so that they can have income from their homes. Are you noticing that as well? A lot. I'm representing a lot of investors in the market that are wanting homes either as long-term rentals for other people or as short-term rentals. But there's a lot of controversy around that right now. So there's three types, three different ways in which you can Airbnb and you can Google this and see what those ways are. I won't take up much of our time going into that, Um, but there is a lot of controversy. Um, I think that there perhaps may be a moratorium on Airbnbs in the future, so investments is definitely a way people are purchasing, just snatching up properties for that. And just a point of clarification, the investor-owned, there may be a moratorium or uh, an eventual ban. Mm -hmm. The areas where they'll still be allowed are in the uh, owner-occupied. Yeah. But the law right now... So if you're living in it and renting a room, for example, on the weekend... Yeah, if the garage is allowed to be rented. That is <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest one of the biggest points of controversy because the Metro Council just voted on this last night in a second reading about yes. re- being able to redraw the rules, and it was a long drawn out lawsuit that that brought this to this space. But the question is, should there be a commercial activity allowed in a residential neighborhood? You can't record music um, for for a fee in your home. You can't sell flowers from your home. You know, but there's this commercial entity because the sharing economy, you know, went way past what regulations were able to do. Um, now, you know, with the sharing economy, the reason it's it's important is because this could really define how we look at at affordable housing in the future. Because there's been some complaints that Airbnbs, the investor-owned, are taking away from the affordable housing supply. That's disputed, and there was a recent study that came out that showed that there was a $477 million economic impact from short-term rentals as well, and that's being disputed by neighborhood associations now, so it's really contentious. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about, I mean, the millennial generation and beyond, again, you know, the side hustle is a very real thing. I could probably name off 20 friends of mine right now that are either doing, you know, a short-term rental out of their home um, while they're still occupying it or going out and buying property to do just that. And so I think that, you know, regardless of what happens, everyone's going to feel that at some capacity. Um, Speaking of which, I know we're talking about a lot of really topical things that are happening in Nashville, but I think when I think about buying your first home, it it brings a lot of emotion. It brings like, like, you know, excitement and stress. And so um, we have a post actually by our sponsor Regions on tips for buying your first home, whether it goes from the first initial conversation that you have with yourself and maybe your friends of how much house can I afford? Uh, That's a very real conversation. Like you said, it really should not be over 30%. And and sounds like most of our millennials that are taking the survey are spending around 20. Um, The pre-approval process, the cost of buying a home, and then the good old credit report review, um, which I think is super important. So be sure to go to 12thandbroad.com and uh, check out those tips as well if you're in the market of purchasing your first home. And even if it's not your first home, there's so many things that have changed um, over the years. You may want to freshen up on the process of buying a home. Absolutely. 
and what's available to you. Yeah, one mitigating circumstance is transportation costs as well, because in some cases it's more expensive to live here than, for example, in San Francisco. Yeah. Because of the time it takes you to get from one part of Middle Tennessee into, into downtown Nashville, for example. So we're looking at people whose work is in, in down or in or near downtown and who li- might live in Murfreesboro or might live in Williamson County. And then you also have the issue of uh, people, you know, outlying. Because 50% of people in, in the region work in Nashville itself. Yeah. And so that creates an additional cost in terms of gas and uh, usage of your car and so forth. That's a great point because when you really, we were talking about this before we went live, when you really talk about how much house can I afford, it's so much more than your mortgage payment, your PMI if it's there, your HOA fees. It has a lot to do with, like you said, what are my transportation costs going to be because of this decision to live here? You know, what are my my education costs? You know, for me to live here, what, what are the, what's the school district like? What's my real cost of living for choosing in this neighborhood? Um, so, leads to this other topic, which I know personally is a hotbed of discussion for me. Nashville, should you rent or should you buy? Gabby, we have a post up at 12thandbroad.com right now. It's very comprehensive. Thank you for putting that together. Talk to us a little bit about the Zillow findings and what else that you kind of talk about in this post. So first, I think everybody needs to figure out whether buying is a financially viable option for you. You know, talk to your lender, talk to a great reputable lender like Regions, for example, who can sit down with you and give you advice on here's where you are financially. Yes, you can afford to buy a house now or no, you need to wait a little bit longer because you need to work on your credit, for example. Um, And they will tell you, uh, a great lender will not just say, well, you make this much and this is your credit score, so this is how much you can afford. They'll talk to you about your goals. Like maybe you don't want to be house poor. You want to save X amount of money every year. So they'll take your goals into consideration and work with you to come up with a real reasonable number for you. Which is a great point because, again, survey says millennials like to vacation. Millennials like the experience. So, David, is there nothing worse than on a Friday night, all of your friends being out and you're at home in a beautiful home, no no less. (laughs) With no furniture. No furniture, eating potato chips (laughs) with your dogs. It's invest in Netflix. (laughs) That's what you got to (laughs) do. But, but the, it is a serious concern because if you look at the price of renting, for example, you know between 2011 and 2015, the average price according to the census was $872 a month, and it's now gone up to about $1,300 to $1,400 a month. Huge. And I think when we've talked about quality of life, uh, because of Nashville's great investment in downtown, it's made it so much more expensive to live around downtown, mm-hmm. the area that people want to live in and, mm-hmm. and live around. And so that's a consequence of growth is that income levels have not risen with the cost of living and with the... The, the cost of housing. And so those are considerations that you have to have. But there are also new competitors in the market that you can probably speak to better than I, which is I see a lot of people com- coming from out of state because the economy here is really attractive. Oh, yeah. Got, Job uh, market's you know, great. It's great. It's, it's wonderful. And, and you have low taxes. There's no income tax. The last remnant of the income tax, the hall tax, is going away in a few years. And, uh, you know, this really is a very tax-friendly, business-friendly state. I, you know, what was really interesting is at your in your post where you mentioned really doing really doing a calculation because, yes. like David said, rent is not cheap. And so, you know, do you do you want to continue to rent? What is how much are you paying? Are you spending fourteen hundred dollars on rent? Let's say if you break that down on a, on a calculator, how much house can you actually get with that? And is that a sound investment for your lifestyle? If you especially 
plan to stay in Nashville or if you see it as an investment. So are you seeing people like surprised by, you know, converting from being a renter to a homeowner? All the time. All the time they're surprised. Um, and a lot of times they save money by buying really? instead of renting. And I give a great example, which is a real example on my post about a client I had who was living in Nashville and she was paying a lot for rent. She decided to go and buy. She found, you know, $200,000, $250,000 home by purchasing her monthly payment that included, you know, all the little extras like taxes and insurance and PMI, she was actually paying less than what she was paying for rent, which she loved. And to top it all off, as she's going through the process and buying this house, she gets a letter from her landlord saying that the rent was going to increase. So that's another great thing. If you get a fixed rate mortgage, you know, your payment always stays at a certain level. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about those rent spikes. And, you know, it's what lifestyle you also want to, because we are noticing that it's, I think back to when I lived in New York, I mean, it it is not uncommon now to see people, you know, of older age or in d- with different lifestyles that are actually, you know, doing well financially that are deciding to take on roommates as well, whether they're in a rental situation or buying a home so that it's set up for roommates mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. um, creativity, I think, with home ownership or rentals in Nashville is absolutely necessary. Sure. So we talked about Airbnb, but the other aspect of the sharing economy is Lyft and Uber because we're seeing Correct. a lot of drivers that I've driven with are doing this to earn extra income so they can yeah. pay their, their rent and their income and their mortgage. And uh, what, what's fascinating is to see uh, people want to experience this quality of life and they're willing to work for it uh, in any way they can. So uh, many years ago, there was a study that showed that we were going to become a freelance economy by 2017, 2018. That really hasn't happened at the level that was predicted, but there is a lot of that. And, you know, how will that change in a few years when we have driverless cars over here? I I don't know. There's a lot (laughs) to be said. But the whole notion of how we live and the spaces we live, we're accepting in Nashville because of our plan, the Nashville Next Plan, more density in the urban areas. So that means you're going to have places that have virtually no yard, they're probably going to be a lot more expensive than what you can get in Hendersonville or what you can get in, in Hermitage, for example, but they're going to be near the places where you can walk to go see a concert or go see a play. Go have coffee. Mm-hmm. Go have dinner with your friends. It is so lifestyle-oriented, and we talked about this as well. Um, you know, when I think back about my parents or, um, you know, I mean, I think I did a little bit, too, when I bought my first house when I was 23, but back then it was about do we love the house, you know, and can we afford it and where do we go? Now people are making these decisions based off of, like you said, what is my Uber fare going to be to my favorite restaurant? You know, well, what am I nearby? Um, I I think that it's, it's a really interesting conversation. It's so neighborhood driven in Nashville. I have a client right now looking in the Hillsboro area because she works at Vanderbilt Medical Center and she wants to walk to work every day. And your and your project talks a lot about neighborhoods as well. I was um, again down the rabbit hole looking at that, but you know, if you really do love a neighborhood, you know what is going on there. You know, what's the school district like? Are people being priced out of there? Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, two mayors ago in the Purcell administration um, had created this whole notion of villages, like neighborhoods. So in many ways, uh, Nashville reminds me a lot of Chicago in that you have a core yeah. and then you have neighborhoods all around it with different flavor, be it you know. Uh, Hillsborough South or, uh, um, or I'm sorry, 12 South or Hillsborough Village or uh, Salem Town, Germantown, those kinds of things. These neighborhoods have changed 
extraordinarily over the years. Uh, the neighborhood which I live in, in Salem Town, used to be a, a, a predominantly African-American neighborhood. Now it's actually predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take a look at it, there's still remnants of public housing. There's still more low-income housing, but it's changed tremendously because it's near the downtown area. And there, there are costs and benefits to it because we're seeing... Uh, a lot of longtime neighbors who are being driven out because they simply can't afford to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. So the question is, will the Salem Town neighborhood have the same flavor today uh, um, in five years? It may not because of, of Nashville's rampant growth. Antioch, if, if uh, those who recall, you know, from what I've read, I wasn't here at the time, but in the 90s, it was a very popular place, especially for young, young professionals. And today it's, it's grown. It's very different. It's, it's known for having a large immigrant minority community over there. Uh, the Global Mall, which used to be the Hickory Hollow Mall, is far different than what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so you can see that the changes, and in some cases, the changes can be very good. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts, Gabby, about the Woodbine area. And the reason I mentioned that is because that was pegged as the, the hottest, fastest growing area of all of Nashville, the district-wise. And that's an area right now that has historically been more low-income and more immigrant-oriented. I mean, do you see any thoughts on how that might change over time? Oh, it's already starting to change. You already have developers going in, tearing down a home, um, and building a brand new home there. And for those houses, they're already selling in upwards of three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand. I do love the international flair that Woodbine has with all those wonderful, you know, uh, Latino and um, Middle Eastern restaurants in that area. Um, but Woodbine great proximity to downtown, great accessibility to the highways, and we even have a red bicycle coffee shop there. So you know when the red bicycle coffee shop goes there that the area is about to take off. That is so funny. And, you know, we're sitting in an area um, as well, the Gulch. You know, I remember moving here in June of 2008 and... Goodness, or really, even in the last two years, three years, you know, now you have a, a Thompson Hotel there, which you never would have expected. All of these high rises, um, restaurants. So it's really a healthy mix of um, living and work and play. But, you know, looking back again, when I moved here, I would have never seen that much growth. And let's talk about Gulch South which is a redeveloping neighborhood. When I looked at the tax record for that area, I picked out different houses just to see how much they bought them for initially. Twenty to forty thousand dollars. The houses that are being built, very contemporary style homes that are going for upwards of a million dollars. Goodness. Okay, so I don't know about you all, but I'm getting anxiety as someone who is raised when you start making money you know, invest in a house, invest and do all this. And so I purchased my first home when I was 23 and then I purchased, sold that, flipped it. I thought I was one of those flippers. I did okay. And then purchased (laughs) a second home. Unfortunately, as I was moving to Nashville in 2008, um, the housing and the market and everything crashed. And so even though I did everything that I was supposed to, ouch, I really took a big hit. And so I've been renting ever since. Um, which does feel awkward to me because, you know, I think when you've owned your own home, there's there's just something it's about that. It's part of the American dream. You know, no one yeah. comes here thinking like, I want to rent forever. People truly want a little piece of their own. Yeah, unless you're in New York and then you're like, let's be real, that's yeah. not happening. Or San Francisco. <laughs> but I do feel this push and pull, and we were talking about that, about, you know, the longer I wait... 
it's only getting more expensive. So I don't know if any of you are feeling that as well, but then I still have this anxiety because there's so much stuff in the air, up in the air, um, and just being burned so tragically the, in the, the past. The anxiety is, is probably from scar tissue because I'm familiar with that feeling having gone you know, through a recession in Southwest Florida. Scar tissue, a, I like that. <laughs> very, very similar feeling. And and when I, I bought uh, last year, it was very nervously because I was like getting back into it. I felt very scarred from that experience. And I think many uh, millennials grew up in an era where they saw maybe parents or relatives mm-hmm. losing jobs, uh, losing their homes, not being able to afford it. And so there's this this desire of not seeing a home necessarily as um, as, as a permanent thing, which which it really shouldn't be. It's, it's an asset. We have to remember that it it's is a great an asset point. and the economy will, will ebb and flow. But the question is, it, it is a very stable investment overall. If you look long yes. term, it really is. That, that Great Recession was a horrible time. It was a, it was, it was a blip, but at the same time, there were different factors. So I've talked to a lot of economists related to, are we in a bubble? We often have that, that question. Yeah. And at this moment, the difference is that we have a strong, solid economic foundation here, unlike in the Southwest Florida exactly. economy, where we had a major you know, uh, influx of investors who had really no intention of ever living there. So we have people who are permanent residents. We have people who are investing businesses and jobs, and there's a very diversified economy here, unlike in some other areas, not just in Florida, but also uh, the other market that was hit really hard was the Las Vegas area. Yes, and, yes. Um, and you know, and it's a great point. I think I, I think you that actually just might have flipped me, um, where you said you know you can't. It's it's you. It's an investment. You have to use it as a tool, essentially. So you have to set yourself up that way. Don't you know overbuy Buy more than you can afford. Exactly. And definitely put your lifestyle and factors into place, like transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have you know children, is that the school district that you want your kids to be in? If not, you have to save money to put them where you want them to. There are so many resources out there now for buyers. You don't have to do this alone. Reach out to the professionals that you trust, that are reputable, that can guide you through the process. Absolutely. There's a resource, too, from the state, which is the uh, Tennessee um, Development... Is it the Tennessee Development Housing Administration, I believe, THDA? THDA. Which uh, mm-hmm. actually has programs for people who with family with incomes up to $90,000, where you can get assistance and you can actually get some money up front that will help you. So this is specifically for millennials. Down payment assistance. assistance, uh, That is uh, financed by the state. And they're actually, they don't take any taxpayer dollars. They actually are financed by the the fees that they get on these mortgage um, uh, assistance that they do with the public. And it's a really great program. uh, We've had Ralph Perry, the director here at the editorial board um, in the past, and he's written for us in the past as well to talk about those programs. That's a great tool, up to $90,000. Well, and that's interesting too, because from our survey, about 31% of millennials are are reporting to earn between fifty and seventy-four, almost seventy-five thousand um, dollars, and so that's a healthy portion of people that can really use those tools, especially if you're looking to get into a home anytime soon. So we shall see, Gabby. You know who I'm going to hit up when I'm ready to. But, but one, one thing I want to say for Gabby is the credit score. That is fundamental, and it was something that you know any of us who've been through yeah. an economic situation like the recession, it just plummets. Oh yeah. And the main thing is, what can you do essentially to repair it? Because it's amazing that from that point to today, I feel like a full citizen of the U.S. economy. Uh, <laughs> because now having a very good credit score, when it wasn't so good, it yeah. was a really really tough time. Yeah. And so that be able to access 
credit, able to access money, able to be trusted is, is really important. And then looking at your lenders, looking at different options. Yeah. And if you're not quite there yet, you said this earlier in your own words, you know, if it's a matter of even like, you know, 20 points or even like 100 points, you may want to sit on it for a minute because your rates, there will be a tremendous amount of difference that you could be paying for a 30, 30 year fixed mortgage if your rates are just not quite where, where they need to be or your credit score. You can monitor your own credit. I use Credit Karma myself. I love it. Um, and it gives you great tips. So it could say, you can bump your score up by this much by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So for people that aren't comfortable yet going out to see a lender, you can start by going to Credit Karma and doing it on your own, seeing what your score is and seeing what you can do to raise your score if you need to. And then when you gain a comfort level, you can go out and reach out to a lender to talk more in depth about yeah. what you can do. I think the reality is while millennials are making 20% less than the boomers at this time, wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, we certainly have a lot more tools that are at our fingertips that can help guide us, educate us, and just even you know be interactive with to ensure that we make the best decisions that we can. And so thank you so much for coming out thank today. You. And um, be sure to head to 12thandbroad.com. Again, we have an entire other week of Millennial Money Experiment content that's coming in, but we have so much stuff that is online right now. We're obviously having a housing conversation, but we also talk about, you know, concerts in Nashville that you can go to that are $3 and under, um, you know, tips on all, just across the board, all kinds of good stuff. Next week, I'm going to have another very special guest. Miss Cheap is going to join me in here. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and we're going to give some tips on 101 free events that you can attend through the rest of the year. Thank you so much for watching. Bye.